Hey, I am so glad to see you at church today. Are you glad to be here? Are you really glad? I am pumped that you're here. You know, we are in week number three of a series called Song of Solomon, and we're not calling it that. It's actually what the Bible calls it. It's a book out of the Bible called Song of Solomon, and, uh, and so we're just going right through this book. Okay, last, a couple weeks ago, week number one, we talked about how, um, how we, we, if we want godly relationships, we need to have the right kind of attractions, right? We need, to, we need to focus on being Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and not worry about finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. Let's be the right person, okay? So that was the, the week one. That was the first attractions. And, and then last week, Pastor Jerry, one of, one of uh, our pastors here, he's my pastor and overseer to our church, he, he showed up. He spoke about the pursuit in marriage and the seasons that we go through getting to the marriage. Next week, we're talking about their first fight, all right? And we're talking about how to, how, to, how to fight right, okay? Now, I know none of you have ha ever had fights before in your marriage. Come on. Uh, but, uh, but this couple did, and so we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn about it. And then in just um, uh, and today, today is about sex. Yes. <laughs> Got one excited person here today. So we're, we're talking about... We're talking about sex, baby. Want to talk about you and me? Yup. Whoa. Y'all know some songs. So uh, we're talking about that today, and I will just say today's going to be PG-13. So if you're concerned about what your kids might hear in the service today, uh, it's too late. They've already heard it all anyway. Uh, uh, seriously, really, they probably heard it all anyway at school. But if you don't want them to hear some things in this service, uh, I would advise you right now to just go ahead and check them into City Kids, which is right on the other side of this wall. There's a check-in counter there, and we'll get your kids taken care of birth all the way up to fifth grade. And, and, and then if they're in sixth grade, then uh, you know what? They can be in here, and it's going to be safe for them to be in here, all right? So uh, we're going to get started with that today. And I got some good news, but I also have some bad news, too. The, the, the bad news is I'm not a sexpert. I don't know everything there is to know about sex. I don't have, I don't have it all figured out. I, I don't know everything there is. The good news is I did save a lot of money by switching to Geico. That's the good news. I, I got that part covered, right? No, really, the world has a definition of sex. Come on, somebody. Like you see it in the supermarket, the, the line at the supermarket. You see it on the bookshelves at your, at your bookstores. You see it on your mobile devices, on the internet, on social media. You see the world's definition of sex everywhere. But don't you know that God also has a definition of sex? And what we want to do is focus on God's definition and not necessarily the world. So godly sex is between one man and one woman who are married to each other, all right? Used to, we would say, godly sex is between a man and a woman who are married. No, they've they got to be married to each other, though, right? So we want to make sure they're married to each other. And, uh, and that's godly sex. And sex in the confines of marriage, in the right way, biblical sex is one of the most fulfilling things that we'll ever have on this earth. Can I get an amen? It is awesome. But outside of marriage, it's one of the most... It's, it's one of the most uh, hurtful points of pain 
It's a great point of pain, in fact, in a lot of people because it's not happening in the right season. It's not happening the way God intended it to. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you six thoughts, six things straight from the Bible, straight from Song of Solomon, six things that we're going to discover as we go through this. And uh, if you've got your message notes, go ahead and pull those out. Get ready to write down some notes because the first thing we see in chapter 4 in their honeymoon is that great sex starts before the bedroom. Or should I say godly sex? I keep saying great sex because, hey, <laughs> godly sex is great sex. Come on, somebody. All right, so godly sex starts way before the bedroom. Now, uh, in, in this passage of Scripture, um, uh, well, I'll get there in just a second. This is their honeymoon. This is, this is what we're getting today is a sneak peek inside the bridal chamber, okay? And here's what I know about, uh, about guys is that we're a little bit slower, aren't we? Like, like we, we, don't, we don't learn quite as quick as the ladies do sometimes. And, and, and this is natural for women to understand. It starts before the bedroom. But for guys, it's like, I don't get it, right? Like women, women are crockpots in the bedroom, a man is a microwave. You know what I'm talking about? A man can be ready for sex anytime, any place, any position at the drop of a hat. He's ready to go. That's just the way that men are wired. And, uh, and what, I've, what I've learned also over the years is that men, I don't know if you, I would call it a gift or if it's an ability, but men have this ability to make any comment sexually related. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Hey, baby, can, can, can you stir the pot? I'll stir your pot. <laughs> I was noticing the other day that the oil needs to be changed in the car. I'll change your oil. <laughs> right? Uh, or, or how about this one? Uh, hey, can you butter the biscuits? I'll butter your biscuits. <laughs> There's, guys just have this, we have this ability, this knack to turn anything... Uh, into a sexual comment. And, and it's just true. So men, we have to realize that godly sex begins way before the physical. All right? It's way before the bedroom. And I want you to notice here in, this ch in, in chapter 4, in the honeymoon, in the suite, I want you to notice how he approaches his lady. In chapter 4, verse 1, he, it says this. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. All right? So, so they're in the bridal chamber. And and it's about to go down, right? And and he's he's not going he's not going below below the chest. He's starting right up here at her face. And he says, "Your eyes are just amazing. Oh, how beautiful! Your eyes behind your veil are doves." And he says, "Your hair is like a flock of goats. In other words, you've got great goat hair." <laughs> Descending from the from the hills of Gilead. Now, when you read this, you think, "What is he saying?" But the, the reality is the goats that he's talking about were some of the most beautiful, well-known goats in all of, in all of the uh, region. They were the most beautiful, long-haired black goats. They were just incredibly beautiful. And what she's doing is she's letting her hair down. <laughs> Slow-mo. She's letting her hair down. She's undressing in front of him. And he's, he's your, your hair, you got great goat hair, baby. The, <laughs> The literal translation for, uh, for flock of goats is you've got Vidal Sassoon hair. <laughs> whatever you use, if it's Pantene Pro V Tresseme, whatever you use, you've got great hair. That's what he's saying to her. 
And he, he goes on, and, and uh, in verse 2, it says, Your teeth are like a flock of sheep, just shorn, coming up from the washing. In other words, you, not only do you brush your teeth, but you got good breath, girl. <laughs> and not only do you brush your teeth and you have good breath, but you have all of your teeth. Each one of them has its twin, and not one of them is alone. Oh, my goodness. You got all your teeth. And... What we see here in this passage, we're learning two things in this passage. We're learning that she was not a hockey player and she was not from Oklahoma. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We are in Texas. I had to, had to throw that out there, right? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so she's... What, what he's doing here, he's romancing her. He's complimenting her way before he ever touches her, right? They, have, they, have, they haven't made love yet. And, and, and Annalise has helped me understand this over the years, that the little things matter, right, ladies? Little things matter. Like when her emotional tank is full, then, then her physical expression of love is an overflow rather than a duty, like she, it's a desire, not because she has to. So the, those little things are the phone call midday just to say hi. I don't, I don't, I don't need anything, just, just touching base, just to say hi. It's taking out the trash, right? It, it is loading and unloading the dishwasher. It's, it's, it's putting on an apron without anything under it. I'm just kidding. And, and it's not that. It's not that. Don't do that. Uh, it's, rem it's remembering to do something she asked. I have a hard time with that sometimes. And I go, I, I don't know. I don't remember you asking me to do that. Did you? Are you sure you asked me? Yes, yeah, she asked me, right? It, it is, um, it's helping with the kids. Dads, dads, can I just tell you for a second, there's no such thing, dads, as babysitting your own kids. There's no such thing. We're... There, we don't babysit our own kids. It's just part of the deal, right? It's bedtime duties, those little things. And when, when her emotional tank is full, man, it makes for great lovemaking. And Annalise has helped me understand, too, what, what NST is. It's, it's non-sexual touching. Non-sexual touching. That, that, is, that is when uh, it's appropriate touching with no sexual strings attached to it. Right, it's it's being able to um, have that simple caress or a hug with no hunka hunka. <laughs> right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's 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 that kind of touching. It's good touching. It's appropriate. Men, some of you men are like, I didn't know there was such a thing as non-sexual touching, but there is, and it's it's a good good thing. Um, verse three. He goes on, he says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranate. In other words, oh, you're flushed with excitement. Girl, you're excited. You're blush. You're turning red, girl. You just, like, you don't need Botox. You look good just the way you are. Like, he's building her up. And notice that he's building her up in areas that she was insecure about, Right? He's building her up in those, in those areas she's insecure. So that's the first thing. Godly sex starts way before the bedroom. Number two is godly sex is tender. It's tender. We find this uh, in the same chapter. We're going to stay in chapter four all day today. Verse five, he says, your breasts are like two fawns 
like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Now, um, do we have any hunters in the house? Okay, I'm, I'm not comparing hunting to lovemaking. It's not even close, right? But if you hunt, how do you approach, how do you approach a fawn or, or a deer of any kind, right? It's quietly. You're walking through. Easy, right? Because, because you don't want to disturb. You, you don't want them to run off, right? You, you, it's carefully. It's gently. That's how you approach fawns. Now, if you were to go out there and say, look at the rack on her, man, I tell you. <laughs> it, it's, she, she, your lady's going to run off, right? She's going to run She's going to run away. So, so it's gentle. It's gentle. And guys, I'm not, again, I'm not comparing hunting to lovemaking, but we've got to, as gentlemen, as fellows, we've got to rediscover the, the lost art of tenderness in lovemaking. So that means that we're always going to respect our spouse, that we're, we're never going to push them to do something in the bedroom that they don't feel comfortable with. Amen. That's, that's tender. And so godly sex starts before the bedroom. It's tender. Number three is it's passionate. It's passionate. And, and this is where uh, in, in, verse, in verse four, it is, verse six, actually, he says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee all night long, all night, mm, all night long. This is where Lionel Richie got his, got his song right here. All night long, I'm, I'm feeling to go to the hill, to the mountain of myrrh. Come on, preach somebody. I'm going to the hill of incense. I don't need to tell you what that means. <laughs> I mean, they're excited. They're excited, and it's passionate. And here's the thing I thought about this week. Why is it that as newlyweds, we're so passionate to be with each other, so in love, and then over the years when we should be growing together, what happens? We start growing apart, don't we? Why is that? It's because life happens. Kids happen. Jobs happen. Career changes happen. Like things happen in life and we lose the priority of our marriage. And we've, we've, let, me, let me remind you that it's not the fireplace's fault if there's not a fire in it. So we've got to stoke the fire. We've got, to, we've got to put something on the fire. We, we've got to manage the fire. We've got to initiate the romance we've, because passion takes effort. Oh, we just ain't in love no more. I don't know what happened. Well, you didn't, you didn't initiate. You didn't stoke the fire. You, you, didn't, you, you didn't put it all on the table. It takes effort, and the fire will go out unless you stoke it. Come on, somebody. It will. So, guys, this is where we initiate the passion. This is where you romance her. You take her out. You, you, you buy her flowers. You spend some money on her. You open the car door for her. You, you compliment her. You send her that text, that call midday. You let her do something special. You bring her home, light some candles, and you just sit by the fireplace, and you just talk. Some of you guys are like, that sounds boring. <laughs> oh, but your girl... She'll love it because it's, it's an emotional bonding for her, right? It, it's just words. It's just talking, and it's just it's being present. It's doing what she wants to do, not what you want to do. Hey, you want to go to the monster truck rally tonight? <laughs> I guess, right? No, do what, do what, unless your wife likes monster trucks. Do that. But 
Do what she wants to do. Sometimes you gotta, you got to initiate. you gotta, you got to strike up the match of passion in your marriage. And some of you are thinking, I, we can't even go out on a date. We've got all these kids. They're running around our house everywhere. And we understand kids. We've got four boys. We have four boys, and, and they're everywhere at our house. We've got neighbors' kids that just come in and out, and it, we've got kids. So we understand it. It's hard to find a babysitter sometimes. You call them up, and they're like, don't answer the phone. The Murrays are calling. Don't, don't answer. We, we understand that, and so what you have to do is just get creative. Sometimes you've got you to gotta bring in the one-eyed babysitter. I'm talking about the TV. And you turn it on Disney+, Plus and you just disappear for a few minutes. You know what I'm saying? Godly sex is passionate, right? It's passionate. Number, number four, godly sex is built on absolute trust. It's got to trust. It's got to start there. He goes on in verse 7, and he says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There's not a flaw in you. There's nothing I would change about you. He's complimenting her, reassuring her. In, in my eyes, babe, you're, you're perfect. Uh, nothing needs to change about you. It's built, he's building trust, right? Now, here's some straight talk for you. And I want to tell you why pornography is so damaging and so hurtful in, in marriages, in relationships. And it's because what the devil is trying to do is to get you uh, to see the people in porn as the standard for your marriage, the standard for relationships, the standard for women. And you think to yourself, well, I wish my wife would do this. I wish my husband would act this way. I wish they would do this in the bedroom. You're, you've got it totally out of line because God never intended for that to happen. He wants, you to use, he wants your spouse to be the standard for your marriage. So, so your spouse, when you look at them, they're the standard. When I look at Annalise on the front row here, she is the standard for all you other ladies. You can't even compare to her. She's the standard. And can I tell you that that's the way it ought to be in your marriage? That, that you as the husband, your wife needs to be the standard. There's no other woman who can compare for you wives. Your husband needs to be the standard. There's no other man. I don't want to change anything about him. He's absolutely perfect. He might not be. We know that this lady wasn't perfect, but he spoke it anyway, and she was the standard. You have to build that trust in your marriages. And guys, our wives are comparing themselves to women on the internet, to women in magazines. They're comparing themselves to, to women who just quite frankly are not real. They're airbrushed, they're photoshopped, it's staged and it's not real. Come on, can I get a witness today? And don't fall into the danger, guys, of comparing your wives to a woman who's not real. Ladies, don't compare yourself to a woman who is not real. Don't compare yourselves. Don't fall into that trap. For, for, for us, you know, Annalise has given me four boys. And we, we had, uh, our first child was born in 2006, our last one in 2015. So about nine years worth of pregnancies that she went through. And you know something? Her body has stretch marks on it. And in our culture today, we say, oh, we've got to get rid of those. We've got to get back to the to the baby weight. We got to get back to over here and you know, got to get rid of all this. Can I tell you something about those stretch marks? I love them. Why do I love them? Be because it represents her self-sacrificing love for me. Ain't nobody else giving me four boys. Ain't nobody else going to, right? 
just her. She sacrificed for me. She, she sacrificed for me. She laid down her life, a huge part of her life, to give me those boys. And I love those stretch marks. It represents her love for me. And, and I'm just saying, she may be insecure about those things, but I love them. And, and ladies, your man might be insecure about how he's performing in the bedroom. Might be insecure about how, if, is he pleasing you? So you just reassure him. He might be insecure about some other things that I cannot mention here today. <laughs> you just reassure him. You, you just, you just hey, you let him know he's doing a good job. And, and most women, maybe a lot of women don't understand this, and that is that sex is also emotional for a man. A man is not just an animal, Right? Not an animal at all, but right. But he's, we're not we're not animals, right? Make sure I get this right here. But but a lot of women don't understand that sex is just as emotional as it is for a man or for for a lady. And and so when you receive a man, when you receive your husband, he translates that as love and acceptance, and it does something internally to him. So let me say it this way. When you reject your husband physically, you're rejecting him emotionally. And the more you reject him, the more distance it creates in your marriage. And, and you may not think anything of it, but let me tell you what's happening. It is the, the lack of physical intimacy to your husband. It's, as, as, it's, as, it's equally as devastating to him as sudden silence would be to you. He just quits talking. He's there, but he's got nothing to say to you. You live together, but he won't acknowledge you. He's out. It's, it's that way for a man. And so we have, to, we have to realize and understand that it's emotional for both people involved. And so ladies, I, I think the best piece of advice I could give you today, married ladies, is, is this, that if... God created you to be a helpmate. And if you're not mating, you're not helping. It, it's a joke. I'm trying to just make y'all laugh a little bit. Like, you don't have to email me. That was just so, un, that was absurd, Pastor Ben. You just should not have done that. No, just a little fun, just a little fun. And, and, and it usually makes people laugh. If you're not mating, you're not helping, right? So we, 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 we get it. We're supposed to make love, not war, right? We're supposed to make love, not war. So a little fun. Uh, all right. We've got to be open, vulnerable, transparent. We've, we've got we've to build our, our marriages on absolute trust. Great sex is built on absolute trust. Number five, godly sex is sensuous. Mm. It's just sensuous. Um, ladies, man, right? If y'all remember Saturday Night Live. Uh, okay, back on track. It's sensuous. So what does that mean? Verse 9, he says, you've stolen my heart, my sister. He must have been from Alabama. I'm not sure. <laughs> I got some friends from Alabama on the front row here today. Uh, You've, you've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. What's he saying? You had me at hello. 
You didn't have to say another word. I'm, I'm all yours. I am in. And in verse 10 and 11, he says, how delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Notice that it says here, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. That is a French kiss before France was a nation. That's what it is. God is good, y'all. This is God. He created this. He's good. But here's, actually, I like to call it, it's a Hebrew kiss because this was way before France, right? So they were Hebrew kissing up in there. And uh, so let, let me give you, let me pause and just talk to our singles. Those of you who are dating, maybe you're engaged, you're, you're, you're not married, okay? L let me just give you a warning, a fair warning, based on some experience personal experience from myself, that I would avoid Hebrew kissing, if you're not married, at all costs. I, I just wouldn't even go down that path if you're not married. Well, why, Pastor Ben? Because God intended sex for completion. Well, right? And it's, it's like a car engine. You're shifting gears. <laughs> You're either going to have to shift gears or the engine is fitting to blow. You're going to have to, you're going to have, he meant it for completion and you can't, I'm just saying, don't go down that path. It will take you too far. Come on, parents. Can I get a witness today? It'll take you down paths you don't want to go down. And I'm begging you based on my experience, just don't do it. Just don't even go there. Just save it for for the honeymoon, you know what I'm talking about? Save it for, for them. And, and uh, you know, ladies, uh, this is, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Ladies, your, your men would like to see you in lingerie every once in a while. Instead of you coming in that baggy T-shirt. <laughs> Team building exercise 99. <laughs> like, he, he, you know, you're coming in with your grandmother's spacesuit uh, nightgown on. He'd like to see you, he'd like to see you, you know, with, with, with something else on every once in a while. Uh, guys, you, you can, you know what you can do, guys? You can just get creative. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't, don't come in there and be like, hey, you want to do it, you know? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. No. No, no. You want to get a, get a little, maybe you need to go shower, right? Don't come in off a hot day and you're all sweaty and nasty. And you're, no, go, go shower, go put some clean underwear on, just put some, put some rose petals out or something. Just, just be romantic. Ladies, you can initiate. You, you, can, you can let him vary his approach. It doesn't have to be the same way it has been for the last 15 and a half years. Come on. You can let him vary his approach. You, you can do what Gomer Powell did. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> You, you walk in with that bathrobe on, ladies, and you drop it like it's hot. He will worship God right there in that moment, right there. He will worship. You just, you just, it's sensuous, all right? I can't believe he's talking about this in church. Listen, I'm talking about how godly sex is sensuous. God made it like this. In the confines of marriage between a married couple, man, this is, you, do it. And do it often, right? Just go for it. 
Uh, why? Why? Because, um, because godly sex is holy. Last point today. Godly sex is holy. So, so you think about this um, statement. It, the word holy gets misrepresented a lot. And I'll tell you about holiness in just a moment. But look at verse 12. Solomon says, you are a garden locked up. My sister, my bride. You're, you're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. What does that mean? It means that she saved herself for him. That she gave Solomon the gift of purity, her purity. And so, so what is holiness? Holiness is not somebody who's perfect, who's never messed up. Amen? Holiness is someone who's forgiven. Holiness is not somebody who's perfect. It's somebody who is forgiven. And every one of you can be holy. Because holiness isn't based on what you do. Holiness is, are you forgiven? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you forgiven? And I'll, I'll admit, before Annalise and I were dating and courting, I went too far in relationships. I went too far, and it's not something that I'm proud of. Many of you here today, you've gone too far in past relationships. Some of you right now, you're going too far in relationships. You're single. Maybe you're even married. You're going too far with somebody else, and we can't change the past. The past is in the past. Amen? We can't change that. And you guys know I'm not a preacher who gets up here and just beat you over the head with stuff. We can't change the past, but we can make a decision that from this day forward, right now, today, I'm going to let Jesus forgive my sins. I'm going to let him cleanse me from all unrighteousness, from all of my past. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter how far you've gone or how bad you feel like you have blown things. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. And I want to I explain the gospel to you in a real simple way. Let me, give, let me give you four things about the gospel. And the first thing is this, that God has a standard for us. He has a standard for us. And here's the deal. We all believe the standard. Every one of us have fallen short of the standard. God saw that this was happening, and here's what he did. He sent his son Jesus to die for the violation of the standard. And I'm thankful for that thankful for the forgiveness that Jesus brings, the cleansing. He washes me white as snow. I'm made new in him. I'm cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for that. But here's the deal. I keep sinning. We keep sinning, don't we? We keep messing up. We, we keep falling short of the standard. We fall short of the glory of God. And so he gives us the word of God to illuminate our life in the standard. His word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I'm going to hide his word in my heart so that I won't sin against him, right? And so his word is helping me live for him. But guess what? I still mess up. I still sin. I still fall short of the glory of God. So here's what he does. He sends the Holy Spirit to help me live this life that he's called me to live. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower me, to strengthen me, to give me boldness, to give me courage, to say no to things that I used to say yes to. He gives me the courage through the Holy Spirit. And here's what I'm saying to you today. This is the gospel. 
and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. I'm inviting you into the process of letting Jesus Christ wash your sins away and cleanse you. I'm inviting you to let the Bible illuminate areas of your life that need to change, that need to shift. I'm inviting you to let the Holy Spirit come into your life to lead you, to guide you, to empower you, to strengthen you. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to keep sinning. Uh, that happens, but I'm going to keep coming back to church. I might mess up, but I'm going to be in church next week. I might mess up, but I'm getting in a small group. I'm going to get in some relationship with people who can encourage me and lift me up and walk with me. I'm going to get in small groups. I'm going to go to the growth track and discover the gifts and the passions and the calling that God has in my life. And I'm going to start serving other people and quit living for myself. I'm, I'm going to get in this process. And I'm, I'm inviting you to do that. I'm inviting you to not do life alone to get in the process, to give him all you've got. So how do you close a message on sex? How do you close a message on sex? Well, I thought about it a lot, and, and I, I found out that um, there's one verse that really just illustrates this the best, and it's found in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, to, to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We're talking about sex, y'all. If you're married, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. I thought y'all would laugh more than that. No, that's, that's not my real verse for today. It is a real verse, by the way. It's a real verse. We're going to be doers. But the real verse is this, chapter 4, verse 15. Solomon says, you're a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Um, all throughout the first few chapters, we really haven't talked about it here at church very much. But when you read Song of Solomon, there's this one phrase they keep saying over and over and over again. And it, it's this phrase, don't awaken love before the time is right. You ever heard that before? It comes from this. Don't awaken love before the, the time is right. Don't awaken love. I know, I know you've got a boyfriend. I know you've got a girlfriend. I know you think you're madly in love in junior high and high school. Don't awaken love before the time is right. I know that you're serious about this guy you're dating at college, but don't awaken love before the time is right. I know that you've, you've been through some relational issues, and maybe, maybe you've been divorced recently, and you're seeing somebody, but don't awaken love before the time is right. There is a right time. There is a season that's right to do it. And here's the season, verse 16. She says, it's time. It's our honeymoon. It's time. Awaken, north wind. Come, south wind. Blow on my garden. She's talking about her body. Blow on my body <clears throat> that its fragrance may spread everywhere. And let my beloved come into his garden. Mm, come on. It's... It's his garden now. They belong to each other. They're, they're one. Let, let him come to his garden and taste its choice fruits. Why should, I, why should I not awaken love, Pastor Ben? Why should I wait for this moment? Because one, one more thing to write down. Write it in your notes. Because God's way isn't just right. It is better. It's not just right. It's rewarding, y'all. It is rewarding. It's it's incredibly right, but mm, it's better. God's way is better. Annalise and I, um, 
before I was a devoted Christ follower, you guys know my story that I, I was raised in church, but that doesn't really mean anything. I didn't have a relationship with God. Before I was really devoted, I was sexually sinful. I did things, man, I regret so, so much. And when I, when I really went all in with Jesus, I decided I want to be pure. I want to be clean. I want to live right. And I fought for purity from that point on. And Annalise and I, when we were dating and courting, we made a decision. We want to be, we want to save ourselves for the honeymoon. And by the grace of God, we were able to do that. We were, we were able to do it. It was an incredible honeymoon, by the way. I didn't like the, the reception. I was ready to get out of there. Where's the doggy bag? Send these people home. We going, right? And, and so we, we, we drove down to Dallas to the resort for the night, and we consummated the marriage as soon as we got there and then sealed the deal about 30 minutes later just to make sure, you know, everything was, you know, good, fully consummated, just took care of all that. Uh, TMI, brother. <laughs> uh, but here's the reality to all of that is that if, you know, we didn't start off like, like, um, like a lot of people. And let me say it this way. Uh, maybe you didn't start off the way we started off. Um, and, and without God, if I could be honest with you, without God, we would have started off the other way. We, we just would have. And so maybe right now you're feeling you're feeling guilty or ashamed or you feel frustrated by the weight of your past and the weight of your sin and, and the, by your, your choices sexually. And I just want you to remember this is a process. The, the, I know that some of you have gone too far and you regret it. You wish you hadn't. Um, I, I get that. I know the weight of that. And some of you, you've been violated sexually. You, you've been assaulted sexually. You were a victim of rape or incest or some sort of assault. I, I get that. And to you, if that's you today, I don't, I don't want you to feel guilty at all. Like you, you didn't deserve that. I want you to know that. You didn't deserve what happened to you. But I want you to know you're loved, you're valued, you belong here. And there is healing for you in Jesus' name. Come on, there's healing for you in Jesus' name. I just, I believe that. I believe it. I'm gonna, I think I've got time to do this. Let me share uh, with you two things that really, I, I don't know who this is for, but I'm gonna share it. When I was growing up, my mom would, um, She was a doodler, and she just doodled on stuff all the time. And, and there was three words that she wrote every, on everything. I saw it on everything. Those three words were, Jesus is Lord. When I was growing up, I thought my mom was the best thing ever. Like, I just thought she was so incredible. And she'd always been a Christian as far as I knew. My dad had died when I was seven. One day, she had remarried already. This was five, six years later. We're in the kitchen, and I'm kind of moping about my dad, like, Mom, don't you want to see Dad? She's married to my stepdad named Scott by now. Don't you want to see Dad when you get to, mar get to heaven? Like, isn't he the first person you want to see when we get to heaven? And, and she, she was like, not really. And I was kind of like, what? 
you don't want to see dad. She took me outside. She sat me down and she said, no, when I was younger, I was promiscuous. And I, I had two abortions. And I don't know whether they were boy or girl, but the first people I want to see when I get to heaven are those two babies. And from that point on, the, the three words, Jesus is Lord, made a whole lot more sense. And right now, maybe you're guilty. Maybe you feel confused. Maybe you're hurt. I just want to give you a little bit of hope today that Jesus can be Lord. <laughs> that your past can be erased in the name of Jesus. That there is hope for you. That no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, there is hope in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? If, if you are dealing with guilt and confusion right now, I just need you to know that does not come from God. That's not from God. And I know that some of you are here today, you're hearing this message and you're filtering it through abuse because you were sexually abused as a kid. Maybe I opened up some wounds for you today. That was not my intent, but I want you to know there's healing for you today. And maybe you think it's too idealistic. Maybe you're on that side of the fence where you go, Ben, this is the 21st century. We don't live like Solomon anymore. This is a new day, a new era. Things have changed. And you think that this is just archaic and old. Or maybe, maybe you're here today and there has been unfaithfulness in your marriage. And it hurts. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't even want him to touch me. I don't even want to see her face. I'm done. I get it. Maybe you're here today and you've just lost hope that you could ever even have a godly relationship. And for, I think, a handful of us in this room today, for many of you here today, in a room this size, I think there's several of you, you're, you're hooked on pornography. You're, you're dealing, you are satisfying yourself sexually. You're taking that into your own hands. You've stepped into a world of homosexual actions and, and you're, you're, you feel guilty. You have everything in your life but God right now and you feel dirty and vulnerable and, and, and ashamed. And I just want to make a promise that there is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing too difficult for him. No bondage that he can't break. No addiction that he can't break. There is nothing too hard for him today. He can set you free. And when he sets you free, you are free indeed in Jesus' name. So no matter what you're going through right now, I, I, I'm asking you, if you're dealing with anything right now concerning your sexuality, I want you to join me in prayer right now. Lord, I lift up the people of City Hope Church, the people of Wichita Falls. And I thank you, God, that you are breaking chains, you are breaking addictions, that you are setting captives free, that, you are, that, that you're delivering people from pornography, you're delivering people from sexual addictions, you're delivering people from, from uh, extracurricular activities and affairs and things like that. You're delivering people, you're restoring marriages, you're restoring homes, you're giving life and health and peace. You are bringing families back together. You're 
are bringing marriages back together and whatever you bring together, let not man separate. Lord, I thank you that today you are, you're giving us the courage to walk in boldness and to walk in courage and that we will walk in, in what is pure and holy. And Lord, I thank you that you're delivering, you're giving uh, your grace and your strength and your power that we can walk in the way that you've called us to walk today. In Jesus' name. Jesus name and if your head, heads are still bowed if you're here today and you say Ben I want I want to call Jesus as Lord I want what your mom had I got a past I've got some things I've got I've got some baggage that I've been carrying and I want to lay it down today and I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life if that's you right now with boldness just shoot up your hand right where you are just lift up your hand God bless you thank you thank you who else would say that's me Ben count me in I'm in I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life God bless you thank you thank you I want him to be in control of my life I want him to lead me and guide me Thank you. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I am yours. Will you wash me clean? Will you forgive me? I give myself to you. Body, soul, and spirit. I'm yours. I repent of my sin. I change my mind. I don't love my sin anymore. I love you. I want to follow you. From this day forward, I will live for you the best I know how. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.